yeah, humans like humans. They want to be around other humans. They need that. They need to mm. be surrounded. We are attracted to people who are interesting. And bland corporate, ugh, nobody's interested in that. Welcome to the Innovative Founder, the show where entrepreneurs get real. real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Rignaris and Brandon Boyd. Welcome, innovative founders. Hello, founders. Welcome back to the show. So good to have you. You are going to be amazed at the topic we get into today. <laughs> and we shouldn't even, let's, let's not even hint Let's just just say you'll be stimulated and titillated by the, the, the uh, exciting parallels being drawn between two from a distance, two worlds that may be very different. Yes, it'll be a, both a dominant and a submissive conversation. <laughs> nice. Well done. Well, played. there we go. There's your hint. There's your hint. So, so Brandon, as we're recording this, you just got back from Cabo. Yeah. Love to hear about how the experience down in Cabo was. So good. So not, yes. a, not a vacation. No, oh God, no, we would dare not have fun. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, it was with our lovely group, Baby Bath Water, uh, went down there, kind of a kickoff we do every year and uh, really just had a blast, or about 40 of us and uh, delicious food, drinks, conversation to be had. Great music. They flew in a band from New York that uh, was fantastic. Um, yeah, there was, a, there was a moment he played uh, some Nirvana uh, and we were jumping around and, uh, you know, a 53 year old guy jumping around with, you know, up in the Did it air. smell like teen spirit? It's, it's, it was, floor? that was the one, that was the one, that was the song, but we're on the beach. The stars are out. We're cra- It was, it was lovely. Ocean is right there. So yeah, it was good. It's good time. Well, let's talk about that from a macro perspective. And <laughs> you and I were talking about this kind of before we hit record and it's yeah. really do- dovetails with our guest today. But what is it that is attractive about that as a as an experience for both business and play? It's a phenomenal question. And and I think that we I think we were talking about this earlier that, you know, um, is the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. I think that's a good general rule. I'm not saying it's a hard truth, but I think generally that can, that's true of people. And I think entrepreneurs are, are they're creatives. Ultimately, they're, they're, they're looking for ways, they're organic creatures that are kind of looking always, where's the edges? And can I push against that? Can I move that? Can I create something new? We are, we, we don't work in, within boxes. If we, and if we are in the box, we put ourselves there to see how we can get ourselves out of it. So, mm. uh, so I think that's just very true on entrepreneurs is, is the topic we're going to cover today around the d- dominant submissive, you know, in an intimate space, um, all different areas, you know, you th- sports, it's, it's what envelopes can we push? What edges, what assumptions can I push in my life and my experience to uh, create something new and different? I think, um, Perry, Perry Marshall talks about this a lot that entrepreneurs need to play hard as hard as they work. Yeah. Like, what does that mean to you? I think work for me has to be so engaging and interesting and so personally fulfilling that I have to lose myself in it. That's, that's when it gets mm-hmm. fun. When I don't think when it's not work anymore, when it's play, when I'm in the playground, I'm like, Oh, look at that. Look, look, what, look what's coming out. That's, that's it. In the same way, you know, going this weekend, you know, we did some psychedelics, you know, drank some tequila, like there, there's there, some environment to push you out of this, this normal day to day, you know, in and out of the apartment, doing the things, cooking the dinners, like some brand new environment, drop yourself in and allow yourself to go as far as you're comfortable with. I mean, at the end of the, at the end of the couple of days, I'm exhausted. You know, I just, I needed to chill out, just recover. I need to sleep longer. 
because my, my whole body was stimulated. My mind was stimulated. I had just amazing conversations with people in depth, not even, not even business related, but just right. life connection related. So I think that that seems, that seems to be what, what is attracted to it is to be able to give yourself over to an experience and lose yourself in it. I, I think so you can find yourself again. I think that's what uh, is shared in a group like this. Well, how, how does that fuel your ability to, to draw out of that experience and put it back into feed stories? It, it allows me to see what others are doing. And it gives, frankly, just gives me courage. You know, it, it, I, I look and see there's, there was a, you know, presenters, we were one of 12 presenters uh, and we're awarded. We're real grateful for that, for having the best presentation. But uh, I saw some other presenters and, and I- That stuck- was a humble brag, by the way. That was a humble brag. Yeah. Way to go. Yeah. We, damn it. We won out of 12 presentations, me and my, my panelist, co-panelist bear, uh, we won. And so there we go. I feel good about that. It's okay. And I think there's a reason why you won. Maybe we'll go into that, uh, on the next podcast, but I think there's a reason why you, you won that. But so, so what I'm hearing is, is that the, the totality of the experience gets you in a place where you're challenged. Number one, mm-hmm. you're, you're freeing your body and your mind, but you're also taking that and investing it back into yourself into more creative pursuits. hundred percent. Okay. So to your question, it, it was seeing what is being done and, and garnering courage to go and do the same with, with feed stories to be bolder, to, to let go of assumptions, to unlearn. Um, you know, I think you and I grew up in the era where we were, I think we were talking about earlier was you go to college, you get your degree, then you start this career and you start applying what you've learned, but you really don't know shit because what you learn in the books and what you learn in real life is a different education. And then after several years of that, you work your way up and, in our minds, we think of learning and expertise as maybe a 10, 20 year cycle to really become this expert where now that has been completely condensed. And what I'm seeing, especially in the digital marketing space is learn, do, learn, do, learn, do, learn, do, is you are actually doing and learning at the exact same time. Um, And I think there's going to be, we're going to see more and more of that, especially with, you know, AI, what do you need to, to, to um, make AI work, you need people who can think and who can give it good prompts and to to give it good instructions so it can create instantly. So there's there's this collapsing of time. And I think at least for me, some things I can hang on to is, oh, I need more experience. I need more time. We need I need more in order to assert myself or or us or our company as a as a major player in this space. And it's just simply not true. It's just simply head trash. Well, I think I think my head trash and where where I've I don't want to call this a struggle. It's maybe it's just kind of a paradigm that I've lived in, is that the person that gets to the top is the one that has the best and most information. Mm. You know, and I think this was a personal challenge for me as I wrote the fourth edition of the Ultimate Guide to Facebook Advertising, which which was a little bit paralyzing at first, is because I wanted to I wanted to gather the best information and I wanted to be the ultimate source of information. And, and, you know, I took that book and, and I, and one of the things I did out of that, I I started, uh, I I created a course. I, I did an event, which you were at, we had 12 entrepreneurs in the room and I, I nearly made myself sick. In fact, I was sick up until that. And that's a whole different story. But I made myself sick with the idea of I needed to have so many tools in my pocket that no matter what people had a question on, I'd be able to offer a tool. And what I learned through the experience was it wasn't, they weren't there. Yes, they were there to learn something. But what they were there for was to get some inspiration on how they could solve a particular problem. Mm -hmm. And the best part of that event was over those two days, um, I was able to give every attendee there what they came for. And it wasn't, and and certainly there was a whole base full of knowledge, but they were able to throw things at me that I absolutely knew the answer to without even having to look it up. Mm -hmm. I, I just tapped into my experience, but 
I was able to solve a problem. They weren't there to take notes and learn a lot of things. They were there to solve a particular problem. And that is something that I continually struggle with is that it's not like the person that has the most information isn't the most successful person. Mm -hmm. And that's, right. that's, that's what we have to learn here. It's the, the person that helps the person get to where they want to go that actually becomes successful. Mm -hmm. And I should know that as a coach, right? Like yeah. I am the least, no, I shouldn't say that. I've been coaching 37 years. I know a lot about the game of basketball. There are thousands of coaches that know technically more about offensive and defensive strategies. Where I think I excel is I'm able to take complex things, simplify them down so that a 15 year old boy can understand them. Right. Yeah. Which is, which is, should be the lesson that I take into the entrepreneurial world, but <laughs> I don't always do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I, I think today, Brandon, our guest, her, her name is Liz Scully. Um, she was a former member of Baby Bathwater. She's uh, in uh, the joint venture mastermind group with me. Uh, haven't met her before. You and I just got to see her come on. And the first thing we saw was she branded herself as the evil coach. <laughs> And she she basically manipulated us in a way that was really good because she has a sign behind her. If you look at the broadcast, you'll see it says evil coach. And there's this really fine print that you can't read. And yes, she sucks you right in, Brandon. And you yeah. said, what does the fine print? And she explained what the fine print is. But what Liz has demonstrated for us is the ultimate example of when you are looking to position yourself and dare I say it, brand yourself, you need to be something interesting. And so many coaches, so many consultants are out there pushing how much they know. And it's, they're, they're pushing out formulas. They're pushing out boring, boring stuff. And here's somebody who is going, mm, I'm not going to do that. And she's taken a world outside of business. She has married it with business and she's created a very successful, I'm sorry, a successful coaching practice by merging those two things. And she is a very interesting, extremely intelligent person. Wouldn't you say? Totally. And, and she, she, I love the, the stories um, from Hollywood and a little bit of behind the scenes and just her kind of raw interpretation. Cause I think we yeah. had, there's so many perceptions around the movie industry is like, you know, golden lights, everything. And, and, the stories she's going to tell are are, are yeah. uh, quite different, not necessarily the experience. Yeah. So prepare <laughs> your prepare your mind to be opened, and if if you are listening carefully, uh, you are going to see a really brilliant connection between two disparate worlds. That's going to absolutely inspire you and and help you think differently about your business. So without further ado, here's our guest today, Liz Scully. Hello, Liz Scully, calling all the way in from London. How are you today? I am fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. Good. So good the, her branding is the evil coach, and we're going to find out what that's all oh, about. We're going to get into that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we could do a good coach, evil coach thing, Brandon. Uh, oh, a back and forth? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Role play. Yes. Good. So if you're if you're watching the if you're watching the broadcast uh, on the replay, you're going to see that she's got her office decorated with all kinds of knickknacks and things like that. Fascinating stories from Liz today. So we're really looking forward to dig in. But before we start, Liz, tell us what is exciting you right now? What's going on in your personal life, business life that you want to share and tell the world that that's awesome right now? Well, um, I'm doing a small promotion at the moment, which makes me very happy because whatever the outcome, and obviously we always want a good outcome, it allows you to speak to your, cl your clients and your people again. And I've just been speaking to a colleague about, we don't necessarily have to grow our mailing lists, although that's lovely, but wouldn't it be great just to take the bit that works, you know, the, those hyper-connected people, people that always reply to you, wouldn't it be great just to make that bigger? So if you have a 50 uh -huh. people, if you had 100 people, that means you doubled your leads without actually doing anything new to your list or to grow anything. And the way to do that is to speak to people. So, yeah, I'm all excited about rubbing up against people. It's lovely. Well, imagine that. Well, now I'm intrigued. Like, <laughs> speak to people. What What is that all about? Well, obviously, there's the normal kind of email launch type stuff. But um, 
<laughs> the thing that we often forget, no matter how many times we might say this to clients, but the thing we often actually forget is that it's just a list of people that like you enough to have given <laughs> their email. So you can email them personally and speak to them. You can get them on a call. You can bring them along to a Q&A. You can just have a chit chat. You can send them a book recommendation. It doesn't have to be fancy. You can just talk to them like they're humans. No way. Cool. I don't Imagine know. that. Kind of radical diversion of thinking is that in the marketing space, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're dumbstruck, Bob. I can tell. <laughs> I was, I was waiting for Brandon to ask the next question, but that's oh no, okay. sorry, sorry. I was still, I'm still flabbergasted. This idea. You mean it's not a list? You mean we're not here to try to extract yeah, money out of their credit cards? Every damn email we send. What? Kind yes. of. I kind of progressive that. mumbo jumbo you talking over there <laughs> exactly. in London. I don't know about you Londoners, but <laughs> over here, we're out to take down credit cards, Liz. Good God. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of clients who have very small lists. So I like to yeah. think of them as like, well, it's not small if you imagine them all standing in your living room. Oh, no, it'd be very full. There you go. You have a big list. Fine. Next. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Bob and I were definitely, you know, cut our teeth in that that area of what 15 years ago 20 years ago or even recently it's, just, it's even longer i don't know i hate to date ourselves but i'm dating ourselves but um no i love that liz so I, i'm excited to get into some of the, the the stories that you've been a part of um 20 years doing visual effects for hollywood um taught cinematography um and then and now i want to hear the progression into evil coach <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Hollywood. Tell, tell us a little bit about your journey in starting. <laughs> so I spent 20 years working in visual effects, uh, running big teams, and I worked on big Hollywood films. I worked all over the world working on those kind of big effects films that aren't technically good films, but they look <laughs> cool. You're the sort of film you come out of and go, that was dreadful, but it looked good. That's Transformers. Transformers? Yes, that, no, I didn't work on that, but that is exact type of film. That's it. Okay, good. Movie, I got you it. Like, you I sit there, you're just overwhelmed for two hours. Like, oh my God, Bashatron is killing Meganonatron. And you want to like it, but you're so overwhelmed. Your nervous system is just jacked. Like you yep, that's shot what I 10 espressos. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. So it was lovely. It was beautiful because um, when you do the sort of visual effects I did, so I, I worked in lighting, I built cities. When they're done well, you don't question them. Obviously, if you have giant robots fighting over LA, it's fairly obvious that that's not real. But the sort of stuff I really loved was to just quietly slide a city in the background so that, oh. you know, the sort of thing where if you wanted to shoot, I don't know, shoot in one direction in Malaysia and you've actually got a bunch of shiny buildings and you want to remove all that and put a bunch of huts. That's what I did. Or vice versa. You have huts, you want a city, Lovely. That's exactly what I did. And it was great. It was really delightful. I worked with big teams. We were working on very close deadlines, massive budgets, lots of stress. Film directors shouting. That's, I've never met a film director who doesn't shout, actually, to be honest. So they're under immense pressure. Very creative individuals who want to achieve as much as possible and have three projects on at the same time. Which, let's face it, is exactly like entrepreneurs. Yeah. Budget stress, it's all about story. You've got to think about the end results. All that matters is that person at the end. And all of film is all about that person in the cinema, eating their popcorn, um, absorbing the story. So everything you do is about the end user. It was a really quite a simple transition into business coaching. And I know that seems like a weird one, but it's actually very similar. Mm. So when you were working, did um were you working on like one movie at a time? Were you working on multiple projects? Um, what you're normally doing is actually normally, because I worked in post-production, which naturally okay. happens at the post part of the shooting, but you're always looking for the next project that you're working on. And often you're pulled off at the very end of a movie. This is the bit they don't tell you. At the end of the movie, if the, if the director is happy, they say, we want you to do everything. We've got another six spaceships we'd like you to do. At which okay. point the studio halves your team because they have to go on to the next Harry Potter film or the next thing they're working on. So you have half the people, you have a delighted director who wants twice as much work when you suddenly have less people. So you spend a lot of time managing um, stress levels 
And the thing about film is you expect horrible stuff to go wrong all the time, continually. Okay. Sets bursting into flames to computers not working. So you're always working on, okay, so this isn't ideal, but what can we do from here? Which is also very like working with entrepreneurs. It's like, okay, so your launch didn't work. What do we do next? Very, very similar. Very big crossover. Cool. How and and was it was it difficult to? It's I, I'm imagining that part of this work you were diving into very small, minute parts of the story. Were you aware of like the overall story and how you fit in, or was it just like I'm focused on I'm building this city? Absolutely, no respectable film company will allow you anywhere near the film if you haven't read the script. In fact, that's the very okay. first thing on all cases. So you have to have that big picture. Um, but you are exactly right. You're still worrying about, hmm, does that bit of the helicopter look shiny enough? At the same yeah. time, you're thinking, and this is the scene where the giant's robot swipes it out of the sky. So, yeah, you have to have that macro and micro together. Cool. So can you can you talk a little gossip here? Can you tell us some movies that you worked on and some of those things? <laughs> well, I, I can, <laughs> but you will be so unimpressed if I tell you the films I worked on because <laughs> nothing dates like visual effects. Yeah. So just, um. the, the films that I worked on, I, and I've worked on Oscar nominated stuff. Um, my stuff has been, I worked on the film Poseidon. I don't know if you know, they made a remake. Yeah. I've heard of it. Not yeah. Made. Um, it's a terrible film. Start to finish. Right? It wasn't a great <laughs> film, but they remade it so that it was an even worse film. But at the time, it looked amazing. And it was Oscar nominated for its effects. Didn't win due to the fact it was, I say again, not a very good film, <laughs> but the effects were amazing. But if, if any any of you or your listeners go back to listen to that, what to watch it, you're going to go, oh, this isn't very good. But it was 15 years ago. And the, the art right. has moved on from there. So I tend not to talk about what, but the, the how and the why, because it never gets, it never gets easier because clients want more and computers yeah. get faster. And, and I, I did a lot of advertising stuff and people would come in, um, sort of smaller directors, TV directors, commercial directors going, so I watched, you know, the Avengers of the weekend and I'd like that in my advert. And yeah. do you have a $30 million budget? Oh, you don't, five grand. Yeah, not gonna happen, my friend. <laughs> All the time. Well, that's great. So so how does, how does a special effects creator dive into the world of entrepreneurship? So um, when I first joined the industry, the film industry, People burnt out after 10 years. And mm. while I was there, it, it had that doubled to 20 years, which was impressive, but still yeah. meant I was surrounded by people that were just stressed all the time. Yeah. It's not at all uncommon to find people at the end of a movie in what we call crunch time to find people sort of weeping in corners or quiet <laughs> or quietly oh, wow. having a breakdown in the bathroom. It's perfectly normal. Um, and I realized that I just didn't want to be in that environment. Another Why? How could you not? It sounds so sexy and, it and does, a, I, I mean, so Hollywood. Just, yeah. Gosh, I want to be a movie person. Is that um, visual effects in particular happens in the dark so that we can, we can check they work. So I just worked for 20 years in a dark room with a bunch of sweaty boys. <laughs> yeah. This is glamorous, isn't it? Ooh, the films. So oh. I, the very first, in the, the very first coaching business I created after film was all about helping stressed people find a new job. You know, <laughs> like, do what you know at that point, <laughs> teach what you know. But um, yeah, it was great. It was, it was lovely not being in the film industry. It was lovely being in the film industry. It was so much nicer after 20 years. Just like, enough now. Now I don't have to do that. I imagine it, it's a better version of like, like if you're an airline traffic controller, at least like you didn't have people's lives in stake. Like, but they probably, it's probably the same thing. I imagine those people burn out quickly and they're, oh, they're yes. in the corner after like 200 planes that they've rerouted during the, during wow. their shift. Yeah, exactly. I have, I have quite a few friends that are ex air traffic controllers. Um, they're very calm people for the same reason. If I screwed up, like a, you know, the commercial would be late or like a, like maybe one of the Avengers films would look a bit rubbish. <laughs> no, if they screw up, they might kill people, many people. So <laughs> yeah. compared to me, I was a walk in the park. Yeah. <laughs> 
Liz, what was what was a, a moment where it was like you knew that you'd, you'd had enough? Was it, were you one of the people in the corner <laughs> in the fetal position? Was was yeah. there something that you saw or happened to you or a friend that was like, okay, it's time yeah. to redirect this career? Yes, yeah, there was actually a defining moment. So I was working at DreamWorks, um, which has at the time had three bases, and I was in the India facility, and they had scheduled a call with a director at a reasonable time for the director in LA, which was not a reasonable time in India. Five of course. And I was like, fine. So the whole lighting department is there. And it was before the breakfast facilities were up. So they, you know, they came and picked me up from home at 4 a.m. Five at 5 a.m. I'm sitting there listening to the director tell us they didn't particularly like something, it wasn't very nice, and I'm hungry and I'm tired and I'm not happy. And normally, when when you're working with an Oscar-winning director, it's so exciting. You know, they, they're like, oh, I sure. see what you mean. Yes, the lighting is right. Yes, we should redo that. And so I sit there thinking, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> right? Just, I'm, I don't care. I really <laughs> do not care enough to listen to this shit any longer. <laughs> and I made my entire life decision based on uh, this bar and no further. Uh... Now, imagine I'd had a bagel I'd still be in the film industry. <laughs> right. Yes. A coffee and a bagel. What is just how easy it? it is? It's so easy. Breakfast, cup of coffee. Yeah, it really is. I would have been in. I could have stayed in. <laughs> but but maybe, and certainly thank goodness there were no bagels and coffee that morning. Because right. now you're doing something far, far more satisfying and exactly. touching more people, correct? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I loved film, but I love coaching because I'm helping people without having to put them through robot movies. I mean, how nice is that? Hey, everyone. Hope you're enjoying this show today. Love, love the uh, conversation, uh, learning a little bit about the uh, what's really behind the curtain in the world of Hollywood production. Um, really enjoying this. And Liz has provided some resources for our listeners. So if you go to rethinkcentral.com forward slash feed stories, that's rethinkcentral.com forward slash feed stories. She's given us a wonderful uh, list of uh, resources, all that you can sign into all free and it just kind of gives her perspective, some coaching and uh, talks about the whole um, what she has happening around masterminds and group think and group learn. So go to rethinkcentral.com forward slash feed stories and uh, give uh, Liz uh, some love there and we get back to the show. Thank you. You're listening to the innovative founder. Now back to your hosts, Bob Rignaris and Brandon Boyd. <laughs> I'm trying to think of my favorite robot movie. Uh, well, it must be Transformers because it was top of your, it was top of mind. Well, for it was, you know, some of the earlier Transformers, but like Michael Bay went off the chain in like a few movies in like you just, you just were gripping the seats of the movie theater and you just wanted to breathe. Give me some, some action relief, but it was like, you know, getting your face blown back. I've heard stories of um, his crew wearing t-shirts that just say Michael Bay must be stopped. <laughs> at all costs yeah he's just gone off the rails oh man oh now wow. okay but business business was part of your life before you jumped into hollywood correct like you you seem to have kind of that business entrepreneurial bent before you jumped in the film industry absolutely yes from i, I was um i was a very early entrepreneur and, and in the film industry you have to keep pitching for jobs as well so that was there all along but yeah from when i was um my initial degree and this will make an obvious link to how I ended up in film, is in silversmithing. Hmm. Obviously, the natural step from there is into film. So, yeah, right. <laughs> no, but I did spend a lot, of, a lot of time at art college, and I made beautiful jewellery, lovely, hmm. simple stuff. And um, I used to sell that to, to put myself through my teenage drinking, mostly, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> hey, su support your lifestyles. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right from the beginning, it was it, uh, my immediate cash input. What was the drink of choice? I got to know. See, over here, when you're a teenager in, in the United States, it's like this nasty shit, like like peppermint schnapps is what oh, we drank in the 80s. Really sweet. Like, take some maple syrup and mix it with some grain alcohol, add more sugar, and you come up with this awful crap 
fireball. I know y'all, you're fireball lovers out there, you 22 year old white girls, but that's the shit we used to drink in high school. And then just beer, Pabst, you know, or some other awful. Oh, sorry. Schlitz. I know. So what is, what is the drink of choice in London? Well, well no, you were at the time you were in LA. Uh, actually, I was um, I was in Liverpool at that point. I've moved around a lot, but yeah. um, yes. So I'm Irish, despite my accent. Um, so <laughs> I used to drink a, a, a pleasant combination of gla- uh, of Guinness with vodka chasers. Oh, oh that's light. Yeah, God, you guys. You I, just, got, I, was, wow. I could bounce back. It's very I, sophisticated, though. I respect that. <laughs> We should Man. talk about what what counts as sophisticated. You're not wasting any time. We're <laughs> they, straight they, to Hammer Town. Do they do they have Guinness and like with the dairy and everything in Ireland? Like it's just part of the staples. Pick up milk, eggs, butter, and Guinness. It's one of the well so it's interesting you know like we're all dating ourselves here but you know we're talking about decades but um it's really easy today to sell jewelry you start an etsy store and you could sell it to everywhere like i imagine you had to do a lot more work to sell jewelry back in the day yeah yes yes see as with all things you have to go where the crowd is and in my case the crowd was in a rock club so um, on a Friday night, I would take a small selection of my wares. And um, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but the place that people were sort of primping themselves and getting ready but was in the ladies' bathroom. So I would lurk <sighs> there selling selling jewellery, um, which was all in cash. People come out and think I've lost an earring. And quickly, I'm like, here, I can help you with this. <laughs> and, and it, it. worked. It was an awful rock club called Stairways, which was just every bit as sticky floored as my as that might set. It was vile. Oh. I did it for years. I made every Friday night, I'd make enough money for drinks and taxis and a couple of nights out. It was great. But I stopped when I became known as the girl from Stairways Toilets. Oh, <laughs> wow. People would run up to me and go, you're the girl from Stairways Toilets. And I'm like, uh... <laughs> I've got earrings on you. It's a Tuesday. No. Oh my gosh. No. Wow. That is fantastic. <laughs> not, the, not the best branding. No. And, and no. did you have to give a cut to the owner to, no, to park yourself? No, I was doing it. I was just in there quietly making money. And one <laughs> of my friends kindly pointed out to me, he said, You do realize that you arrive at 1030 when the when the when the club is quiet. You spend an hour and a half in the toilets and you come out with a lot more money than you went out, went in. <laughs> what? Are not good on this. <laughs> what is happening? Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> oh. Yes. <laughs> so right. wrong. So well, great. Well, let's All get right. you out of the rock club. Let's get you out of the bathroom. Let's get you out of that dark studio. Oh, let's, God, let's, can we? Let's, let, let's talk about coaching. All right. Like, yeah, you like. You, you made me realize that a lot of my entrepreneurial life has been in the dark. Yes, yes. it has. It's in so dirty bathrooms and in the dark with stinky men, you said earlier. It's, it's either the best life ever or, or, or horrible. But now we're going to get into even more juicy stuff because. But we know you why say, you name yourself the evil coach. Right. It's right. just in the dark. We're just going to continue the theme. Right. Yeah. Well. This is what's interesting is, is seen through the eyes lens of BDSM. So can we talk a little about that? And grandma might be listening too. Don't care. Grandma needs some of that in her life. Well, everyone needs some of that. Whatever you're comfortable sharing. <laughs> Absolutely. So I have two no. brands and one is perfectly normal strategy. You should run a mastermind. Everything is great. Let's grow your business. But my new brand, Evil Coach, is all about viewing strategy through the lens of BDSM, which is kink for those people. Because there was a small section of people that are like, what does BDSM mean? I'm like, you probably don't want to Google that. Let me just tell you, it's it's sexual deviancy. And I feel it gives us this ridiculously entertaining lens to view stuff, because it's not about purience. It's just about the fact that weirdly, BDSM and strategy are very similar. They're Ooh. not very well underst- understood. People assume a whole bunch of stuff about it. They think they can do it on their own and yet can't. And it's just like, you understand one better, you understand BDSM better, you'll understand strategy better. 
Interesting. It's just funny. So, okay, we're okay. we're hooked. <laughs> well, we're totally hooked. So, tell us about the strategy. So, BDSM uh, uh, designed to take people to a different state. Yes. Okay. To t- tell us your tell us how you define it and 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 how that how that works in a strategy point of view. So, BDSM is about a power dynamic. However, okay. whatever you actually do, one person is telling the other person what to do and helping them move into a different state, just like strategy. If you go to a coach, you are hoping that their greater experience will guide you into a position where you get a benefit. Now, within BDSM, something called subspace. Do you, do you know about subspace? Mm-hmm. Okay. Brandon's like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. So subspace is the bit that makes BDSM make sense. If you don't know about it, and most people who aren't part of the community have never heard of it. Mm-hmm. So basically subspace is, it's a bit like a flow state. And if you have um, a dominant and a submissive, the dominant can help the submissive get into a point where they are just in this flow state. And when you're in that flow state, time stops It's like being at a spa, everything happens. Now, what is holding you there can be, from the outside, really quite alarming stuff. But the Mm -hmm. dominant knows what the sub needs to stay Mm -hmm. in that space. And when you come out of it, it's like you've been away for six weeks holiday. You are clearer Mm -hmm. and focused and the world is smiling at you, just like when you come out of a business strategy session, you're like, I thought I had no idea what I was doing. I don't know what she said to me, but now I'm really clear. It's exactly that feeling. Now, subspace is why, you know, occasionally you hear of people, he was a really top level banker. He was an absolute horrible human at work. And yet he liked being dressed up as a little baby and horrible (laughs) things being done to him. Why was he doing that? Subspace, because everything falls away and everything feels better in that space Hmm. and if you don't know what you're looking at and i've certainly seen scenes where i thought oh oh my lord that's quite scary but for the the people involved it's the right thing for them and this is where the real link between strategy is is if you just replicate that yourself if you do the stuff people are doing on the outside without understanding the mechanics and why it works for that couple and how it all fits together. If you just do the same thing, then it's not going to work. And you'll think it's because of the things you're doing, which actually you need to understand the dynamic and how it fits together and the way it works with a person's personality. Otherwise, you just stood there waving a cheese grater around. You'll get nowhere. (laughs) Or you might get hurt. Yes, yes, exactly. Waste time, waste money, hurt yourself, particularly with a cheese grater. So, Liz, I actually train with a dom oh, in, in sensory play. So I'm familiar with this, not in the pain aspect. That's not something I haven't been interested in. But I've been so curious about the whole subspace thing because I witnessed a good friend of mine um, get a tasting of this. And it was so healing for her. It was so, it was therapy. What I, it, they were doing demonstrations and I was watching this and it was like a central massage and it was so therapeutic for her to to experience this i'm like well, what what is this world so that was my indoctrination into it and started training with a dom and yeah. and and how much of this you know the, the first lesson was how many fake doms there are out there and oh, not to be one Very and the true. second one was the subspace idea of, of being able to separate the brain from the body and let the body be completely allowed to do feel whatever it's designed to feel in a safe space um, it's quite fascinating. I'm still feel like I'm new to it, but have you experienced subspace yet? No, no. Oh. And my and the dom I work with, he's you know he's he's my he's big dude, big black dude. I'm like he says I'll choke you out and I'll put you to sleep. That I'm all I'm familiar with from training martial arts, but but I, I would like to experience that. I don't know if I you know want to be whipped and stuff. That's the whole well, different you know, level. That's the thing. But you don't have to be a pain slut to actually actually get any pain <laughs> slut. I want a t-shirt that says that. Yeah, <laughs> I have a pain slut. <laughs> you don't have to be involved in the pain. It's the result that's the important thing. And this okay. is like just like with a strategist. They will know that this person needs this kind of thing. This person needs this kind of thing. When it happens to you, and it will, if you, it sounds like you've got an excellent on, that yeah. time stops. That it's just like in a flow state. You know, when you sit down to write something, and if you're very lucky, 
hours will pass and mm. just wonderful creative stuff. It's exactly the same experience, but someone can put you into that. It's amazing. Mm. And is it true? So he's he's told me some stories and he's, he's told me stories about very high level, say, EEOs, CEOs, politicians who really need that pain, high pain level to really snap them into a subspace place or really break them out of this mindset. And this is all consensual. There is no, there is no, you know, professionals, there, there's no, this is all consensual. This is all agreed upon saying, this is where I'm going to take you. It's going to require a lot more than, than maybe someone else. Um, is that your experience as well? Like, it, yes, at least that's my perception of it. It absolutely depends on it. So as I said, some people, um, pain will snap people into it. For some people, it's about just giving up control. If you are, mm. if you're a very um, high functioning person that manages a million things, how nice it must be to just put all of that down, to not mm. worry about it. And all you're worried about is, am I standing correctly? Is this ridiculous outfit I'm wearing? Does that work? Because that's the other thing. Some people want to dress up as, you know, you you be the Panzer commander, I'll be the dairy maid. That works for some people. For other people, it's like, <laughs> I know that people have asked me, what do you wear for BDSM? I'm like, sweats and a t-shirt. I like to come with me. So it's about, <laughs> it's about what you want. Some people need the leather and the rubber and the, you know, the yeah. gimmick, but some yep. people need that. It's, so it's, it, it's not so much the pain, it's the 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 dom and the sub working together to get that result and that's the other thing about bdsm mm. is that before ever you get to a point where this will happen you sit down and have this wonderful conversation where the two of you work out what you want and it's like sort of setting out a buffet you know i i like this stuff mm-hmm. and the other person does the same thing and you're like kind of this stuff is definite this stuff probably not this stuff not at all and the other person will do the same thing. And you can sit there and go, okay, that's okay. That's uh, no, this, that, that's unsanitary. Um, that's, and we probably need a license for that. So that kind of stuff. And only when you know it works, only then do you choose to work together. And then you move to the next step. Mm. So again, from a strategy point of view, you interview your coach. Is this the person I want to work with? And the, <coughs> excuse me, and also, when you're creating a strategy, you sit down and work with the things that they need, the things that they want. So if I have someone who's like, I want to do a podcast. Okay, um, but, but I can't help but notice you have a stutter. Does it make you feel great at that mm. point? Now, if you have a, a stutter and you love speaking, fine. But if you have a stutter and you hate speaking, then running a podcast isn't going to make it. Same as um, if you don't like being whipped, being whipped isn't going to get you into subspace. So it's all about working out where you are and where you want to go and consensually moving forwards. And it's about that big conversation. I reckon a lot of vanilla relationships would be much better if everyone sat down beforehand and said, this is what we do. <laughs> One of my mm-hmm. dog friends told me recently that he said he, said he slept with a, a vanilla girl, which is, you know, a normal member of the population, nillas, as we love it. <laughs> nillas. 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 Nilla girl. And I'm like, how was that? Like, oh. I, did, I was doing stuff. I didn't know if she liked it. I was doing some of my best moves. I had no idea because they've never had that conversation about this is the stuff I like. It's mm. super important. I realized mm. <laughs> I, we probably moved into as people sitting at home going, what the hell? What the <laughs> hell is going That's, on? This is good. This is going to be the That's most an... popular podcast so far. <laughs> <laughs> But um, in strategy training, which is what Evil Coach is about, most of this doesn't come up that often, so to speak, for now, for now. The point being that it allows you to think about your strategy completely differently, because most strategy training is really dull, like super boring. Mm -hmm. And strategy isn't boring. And when you're talking about it in terms of um, just another lens to look at it. it. I've noticed that with my clients, it totally frees them up to giggle and to think about stuff in a new way. It's really lovely. Hmm. So do, do people come to you, Liz, with like this? So like companies say, oh, I want to do a podcast. Are are you helping with that? Or are you going like deeper and saying like, well, why do you want to do a podcast? Exactly. So if we were building a strategy to to grow a business, um, obviously, at some point, you have to have some form of visibility. And uh, you've, got, you've got to be telling people both through sales and launches, but also all of us need a podcast or a blog or you need to be doing something where people that right. can come across you. So if people say, that's it, I'm going to run a podcast. 
And sometimes people will arrive like that. It's like, well, why? What is the result you want? Where are we going? Okay, now do you have the skills and the interest to do that? And are there ways you could do it differently? For instance, I do not have a podcast. I am a guest on other people's podcasts, which from my point of view has all of the benefit of being a podcast, like visibility and all sure. that with none of the downside of actually having to make it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's right. a win-win, right? Right. <laughs> Interesting. It's so, it's, it's so funny. I, th- I love the approach because there's the saying that he is good with a hammer, treats everything like a nail. And in the, in the parallels between co- business entrepreneurial coaching and BDSM sexuality and exploring that, there is so many parallels that you're you're drawing that we're drawing here today. Um, but this idea of going into intimacy with what do you need and what do you want out of this? I mean, I yeah. think there's so many assumptions. I'll speak for men. I think men make so many assumptions on, on how to pleasure a woman or, or what's going to fulfill her. And we're trained by pornography and we're pre- trained by generational thinking and we're, we're trained by scarcity. Um, but what a lovely conversation to establish safety, consensuality, and, and anticipation. Uh, in the same way is, you know, you're not going to coach the same way all, every time, you know, there's going to be nuance, there's going to be things you specifically like and are important to you. Um, I could go on and on, but, but, but yeah, I think that's, I think it's lovely, you know, starting with a simple conversation of what style is going to work to bring you the results you want. Exactly. And I do always ask my clients, how, how do you want to, you know, what is going to motivate you? Where are you a, a kind of a carrot or a stick person? Which do you prefer? Although I'm not very good at being stick. I'm all yeah. carrots, really, but I can I can be a this English accent. I can I can I can fake stick if need be. <laughs> but but the real key is one of the things that we um we almost always ask in the BDSM world right at the beginning. What do you have bandwidth for? What kind of relationship is this going to be? Is this a one-off? Is this do you want a long-term thing? And it's kind of the same in coaching. You know, what are you here for? Are you are like, I mean, I have year-long masterminds. I have short intensives. What are you looking for? What do, what results do you want? Because that's the other key. Where are we going? Are we giving you a strategy that you go off and implement? Are we going to give you the strategy and then support you while you do it? What are you looking for? Super important. So what's fascinating, Liz, is at what point did you come to this realization? Like you went, oh, like, when did you see this? this parallel, this bridge between the two? Um, I must have been, I did be growing on me for a long time, but I only launched the company, uh, the, the evil coach side of the company, uh, probably uh, the idea formed about 18 months ago and I only launched about a year ago. Because okay. to be honest, I'm going to be honest, we were talking about um, what, what are the blog posts you would absolutely click on if you're scrolling through Facebook. And for me, it was everything my everything my dominant uh, you know everything BDSM taught me about strategy. Sure. <laughs> like, oh hell yes! So that's what I wrote. <laughs> Sign me up. But but again, it's not for shock value. No. I mean, there has to be substance, right? Like we can write clickbait headlines, and you know we could we could drive people in under false pretenses, but there has to be substance to it. Like where, when did you like other than going? Oh well, that would be interesting. Like. What made you go, oh, my goodness, there is so much depth here that I can't ignore it anymore? Well, yes, I guess that would be because I, I, I'm making light about writing that article, but it had been forming for a long time. The other thing I have noticed is there is a much higher proportion of entrepreneurs who are curious about stuff, shall we say, um, or perverts. You you decide whichever way you want to go on that. But the right. same, there is a higher sort of. Uh, signal to noise, signal to pervert ratio. So like <laughs> entrepreneurs are curious, they're entertained, they're going to be trying a lot of stuff. And I know that a lot of my clients, if they're not actually doing this themselves, they're interested in it. Mm-hmm. And once you have someone's interest, it's very easy to then talk about other stuff in a new way. Because like I said, most strategy is very dull when right. discussed. And the mm-hmm. way I talk about it, not dull at all. Right. Well, it's really interesting. So I, I like that answer, Liz, because entrepreneurs have 
it's almost borderline addictive behavior in the way that they will go deep on certain things and explore things that other people don't have the courage to do. Mm. And, you know, whether it's whether it's like, you know, they it, it's food or it's, you know, I mean, just just name it. Entrepreneurs are willing to go places that that what do we call them? Nilis, <laughs> right? Nilis. Just just. No, it, it's just something about an entrepreneurial spirit where there's just there's this the the idea of like this is not safe and like it, th that gets lessened, it gets removed, and we're willing to explore things, you know, in the spiritual realm and the physical realm. It's like we we have this curiosity and this ability to go explore things, but also maintain a level of control maybe is a good way to say i mean we could we're, we're all subject to like being able to fall into addiction things like that but it seems like there's this insane curiosity that's yeah. commonplace amongst the people that brandon and i talk to and know mm -hmm. and even personally experience that we're willing to go that most others aren't and i'm just i just want to applaud you for finding that and recognizing it and putting it in a way that makes you like it, it's really tying into your unique abilities and experiences and creating something. Um, you know, Brandon is part of a group called Baby Bathwater. And this this group, <laughs> right? You know, the, the this group is about exploring play and work in a much different way versus the other masterminds where you go sit in a hotel room and a U-shaped table for three days, mm -hmm. right? Not saying that's wrong, but willing to explore coaching and masterminding and doing things in different ways that tie into what entrepreneurs want. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think curiosity is so important. It, like I've never met an entrepreneur that isn't curious. And if you're not engaged, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do anything about it. Right. So yeah, like fun, super important and giggling. God, there's very little business coaching that, that has <laughs> this giggling <laughs> smart. I think I think we just need more smart, really. That's well, and it. I think you're you're railing against this too, Liz, is the idea that, oh, I, I'm gonna go take a, a course on coaching. I'm gonna go get certified, I'm gonna hang my shingle up. But like if you essentially what we're kind of poking fun of is like, oh, I have the formula for how to get somebody to do something. Right. I, I know how to coach now because I have a piece of paper that tells me I'm a good coach. When in fact, you know, how are you really going to get results for people when you're following a formula without any substance on your side? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it needs to be tailored to each client. Even even when you do a course, right, you can make parts of it that are specifically for different types of people. You can help people identify the stuff that works for them. Um, because that's the thing, it's not a, not a cookie cutter business in a box type business. And God knows the internet is absolutely flooded with that. Do this thing. It worked for me five years ago. It worked for you. Yeah. And, you know, maybe five years ago it would have done. Now, who knows if it's a good fit. And, and good strategy is created with all of the positive stuff. It's, it's, you know, what do you need? What's positive? Where do you want to get to? And it's created from inside out. So teaching strategy about that level like where are we what are we doing how do we achieve it best uh, plus you wrap it all in frankly titillation and giggling yeah <laughs> i love the giggling keeps coming up i i'm curious liz i think one of the challenges that most people have is expressing kind of what they want so you, you talked about in this conversation of establishing a framework of like what do you want to get out of this how are we going to get there one of the challenges Brandon and I have sitting down with clients to create stories for their business to put them into video is a lack of clarity or an understanding of what they want. Do you have you developed framework or tools or methodologies that help pull that out of somebody where they're honest? I mean, you know, you can ask an entrepreneur, why do you want to do it? Oh, I want to, I want to give to charity or I want to like support my kids. Like those, okay, those are things that are great but there's always something deeper and it, it's very hard for people to express that. And, and I'm, I guess I'm even admitting to myself, it's hard to express. What do you want really deep down? It, yes, it's hard, but I will be honest, working with film directors, if you are used to teasing information out of film directors, you see like pulling concrete out of them often. Really? Um, I, as a friend of mine tells a story about, she did, this is years ago, right at the beginning of 3D special effects. 
And um, she did a stained glass window where a live action knight in shining armor jumps through the window and the whole thing smashed. And it was, I said, it was a long time ago and it was incredibly difficult. The whole company stopped while they did this thing. They presented it to the client. The client looked at it and this had nearly driven the company to their knees producing this. The client looked wow. at it and went, could you make it more religious? Oh. And the whole room was, what? Now, the what? thing is, we do know how to make things more religious. You drop the camera, you put more God lights behind it, you put more sparkly stuff, you make it slower. But the clients don't have the words for that. He just knew he wanted it to look more impressive. So your job as a coach, as a strategist, is to listen to what they're saying and interpret it against what they really want because sure if people say what's your why they've read the simon cynic book and they've come up with some like really is that really your why right right mm. so like i want lots of money or i want to keep my family safe what to me that's saying is it a little they're, they're very 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 reasonable things to say but i would begin to dig about well, what does safe feel like what does that mean to you? How much in the bank is that? Like, is that three months money, six months money? Um, I was working with a client recently. <laughs> excuse me. I was working with a client recently and she's an inveterate overworker. Given any opportunity, she will just push, push, push. But it's making her sick. And when we really drill down into exactly what caused that, it was because when there isn't really regular monthly money coming in, and she gets paid quarterly. But when she gets, when there isn't monthly money coming in from her into the family account, her husband freaks out and starts overworking. He overworks, she overworks. So the simple fix for that was to create an account where he sees monthly money coming in from her quarterly money. He calms down, she calms down, overwork left the building. But you've got to mm. dig for that. Well, I, I mean, that just speaks to your ability. That takes a very intuitive, experienced person to be able to, to do the nuances. So that, that's amazing. But I also believe that we all need this. Like, you know, you can't read the label inside the jar. As mm -hmm. a coach, yeah. it's like you can see really clear. Oh, I see what the problem is there. And I have coaches for exactly that reason, because we've all got mm -hmm. blind spots. What a coach <laughs> yes. will do is point to the big hole and go, you have a hole that you've just been quietly working around for years. Yeah. yeah. We try so hard to do surgery on ourselves and we can't. There's yeah, you can't. You can't read the light. By design that so humans are made to work with each other and help each yeah, other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we are a community, for sure. But I do I appreciate what you said earlier on, on that that note. One of the reasons why I love like baby bathrooms, an example, or groups. I've also gotten involved in psychedelics the last couple of years. And I love the people that it attracts because of the open-mindedness. And so, you know, if the way you, someone said the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Mm -hmm. I think there's some truth to that. You know, there's, there's a desire for, <clears throat> for open-mindedness <laughs> and growth, excuse me, knowing what I, what I don't know. And I, I see that with entrepreneurship and the psychedelics and the intimate space with BDSM is there's this common thread of curiosity um, and, and moving away from that, which may be vanilla, vanilla businesses, vanilla intimacy, you know, fill in the blank, vanilla experiences. Um, there seems to be that common thread with entrepreneurs. Absolutely. And there's also moving away from the vanilla world. It's about don't pretend to be something you're not. Yeah. If you've got a thing about, socks or having your elbow touched tell people and you'll be in a much better position than if you're pretending your whole life no no elbows no they mean nothing to me everything is fine <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the rebranding so obviously evil coach stands out as like i saw you come into the zoom it said evil coach it's like oh my goodness what's this <laughs> like tell us a little bit about the branding and how you kind of came up with this and how people react and and how it's positioned you over the last 18 months um i think normally i'm nomadic um so obviously since the pandemic i've been in one place i have to say this sign has paid for itself over and over again for exactly that reason people go what's evil coach tell me more so yeah. what i have discovered yeah. is what everyone since the romans knew about <laughs> having a sign is really helpful <laughs> yeah who knew? who knew what's the what's the tagline say underneath yeah we can't we can't read the tagline Yes, that's, that's that's also deliberate so that people have to ask. Um, oh. whip, your, whip your business into shape. 
dominate oh. the market. That's what the tagline is. But it's also dominate the market and submit to your clients. Oh, I love it. There you go. <laughs> and there's and there's the uh, that's how we close the loop right there. <laughs> I imagine though, so that gets you into some really engaging discussions. Like it, at, I think it immediately turns whatever your your initial consultation whatever it's gotta change the way you're having initial conversations with people than than what you had before exactly i mean my other brand which is still running rethink central yeah whatever you could rethink things that's nice that's mostly about masterminds but nobody comes on a rethink call and goes what the hell's that sign tell me yeah that's very exciting no one turns up at rethink and expects this so yes get a sign chaps it's it's extremely (laughs) useful who knew get the sign it's the number one rule of marketing is don't be boring yet. That's yeah. the number one rule we break every single day. And here you go. Just proving like, Hey, <laughs> I, I can have a, I can have an, it's almost like you, you get to a second level conversation because you've got humor. You've got, I mean, it just, it's, it's just a brilliant move, Liz. And we're, we're applauding you like for coming up with something that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yes. My so, is to grow it for sure. Yes. And yeah, well, if we can help you do that, that would be fantastic. Talk about Evil Coach. Like, where, where, where can people find out about this? And <clears throat> excuse me. So, um, so I have uh, EvilCoach.com, which uh, has an essay about all of this stuff. If you just want to read more, and you don't want to get that involved, but you just like to read, uh, you can go there. Um, but I've also made a secret page for you on my other brand, RethinkCentral.com slash feed stories will get you a bunch of links about the stuff I do, including some evil coach links. So cool. I will what was that? Can you give me that link again? Rethinkcentral.com. I'll email it to you about that. Cool. Well, we wanted, we like people to listen to our show without a notebook. So we just want to make sure we have it so right, yes, but certainly it, it'll be in the show notes. Absolutely. It's in, um, so basically it's rethinkcentral.com name of your podcast. So Awesome. Cool. Well, that's awesome. Liz, you are so unique. Thanks for, thanks for just being you. Number one, like this is, you are the type of person Brandon and I started the podcast to meet. So thank you. First of all, for just being you like fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it's fantastic. So we'd like to give you one more opportunity to kind of give us a window into who you are. And it's our 60 second rant. Now I can imagine that you've got something you want to rant about that will be completely, um, different than what we have ever experienced before. So we are giving you the floor for a minute here to rant. No pressure. Thank you. So <laughs> I am sick to death of boring brands. The pictures with coaches, where, where there's like with somebody with their arms stretched out on top of a mountain. Just stop it, people. <laughs> it's dull. No one's interested. If you are going to persuade people, you have to be memorable. To uh, In branding terms, it's about being sticky. I like to think Evil Coach is very sticky. Sticky. Lots <laughs> of ways. So be sticky. Be stickier. And, and also, don't be bland. Yes, it feels safe. It, you know, the first brand I created, so boring. You have to be yourself. When Evil Coach happened, I felt like it was a synthesis of so much mm. of a kind of finally I could bring together all these parts of my life. Now, sure, admitting to the world that you are into BDSM isn't for everyone, but there might be something, there must be something. If you love custard slices or hiking, in fact, if you love hiking, don't you dare have a stock picture of somebody on a mountain with your arms out. At least have a picture of you. In fact, I would like to take every one of those pictures of people ah, commuting with nature. They could sod right off. I am not interested. So yes, put some pictures on your website that look like you, however foolish they are. Just do that. Hey, founders, we hope you have enjoyed this show. Liz has been a fascinating guest and she has taken a parallel between a very disparate um, industry outside of business and brought it into business. And in her rant here at the end was really beautiful in the fact that she is really talking about being interesting. And it's so easy to be a me too in business. It's so easy just to put a formula together, to follow a plan and hope that it's gonna be successful. In fact, what she is talking about is the exact opposite, which is stop using archival footage, stop using cover art and things that you find on stock pages. Put a picture of you, tell your story. 
Brandon and I can't express how critical it is in this economy that you tell your story. People aren't buying your product, they are buying you. And if you have the courage to put yourself in front of people and tell your story, you are going to have a really um, almost bulletproof business. Now, in order for you to tell your story, you need a coach. You need a coach to help pull it out of you. You are not going to get the, the right story out if you try to do this yourself. That's why Brandon and I are here. We are story coaches. We help pull this story out of you. So if you have the courage to put yourself out there and tell your story, then you really want to have a chat with us. Bob and Brandon, we are at feedstories.com. Click the button and we'll get talking soon. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. Thank God. And because, that, Yeah. I it, love it. It is, it is so, that is so just freeing to hear you say that because yeah. Brandon and I, we are just, we, we beat the drum as often as we can that it is so important for you in your business to put yourself as part of the story. You are infinitely more interesting than a stock footage of a, of a dude on a mountain breathing in the morning air. Right. Like it, in order for you to stand out, you have to tell your story. It's just so critical. And here you are living it out. What, what a great example. Mm-hmm. And thank you for that rant. That was like yeah. spot on. I love it. Excellent. Humans love humans. And you, you've got to be human to be like that. Don't be bland. Don't be bland. I love it. Humans, love it. say that again, Liz. Yeah, humans like humans. They want to be around other humans. They need that. They need to mm. be surrounded. We are attracted to people who are interesting. And bland corporate, ugh, nobody's interested in that. Yeah. That's gospel right there. True. Beautiful. Liz, thank you for joining thank us you. today. That was a quick, a quick hour conversation, but man, man, oh man, what a great analogy thank you for sharing your your hollywood insights and some of that fun stuff but then really getting into who knew we were going to go here bdsm (laughs) and business coaching i love it thank you for being with us today we love it thank you so much thank you liz thank you for listening to the innovative founder with bob regnaris and brandon boyd a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.